Well, good morning again, friends. I invite you to turn with me now in the scriptures to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read verses 12 through 16 of this chapter. If you do have a pew Bible, you'll find this on page 959. In the second week of our series, looking at at gospel friendships, better together, gospel friendships in a lonely age. And we're going to take this week and next week to look at friendships in the context of the church, and then the weeks following that to look at at friendships in the the broader uh, culture and society. So we're actually going to spend two weeks in this specific text from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, This week we're going to focus on Christian unity, gospel unity. So let's give our attention to the reading of God's Word. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we, de- we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Don't know if you saw in the news this week the story of Isaac and Teresa Vatkin. They grew up in Argentina and started uh, a young romance, writing to each other, living some eight hours away. They would write to each other as often as three times a week until they eventually married in 1947. Well, in 1968, they moved to Chicago, where they lived full and productive lives. In their 40s, they learned English, they bought a home, they had three children, they worked incredibly hard to pay these kids through college, they had grandchildren, then they grew old. Well, just last week, Isaac and Teresa, having been married for 69 years... Both died of natural causes within an hour of each other. (laughs) Within an hour of each other. Isaac held his bride's hand as she passed away peacefully. Then just 40 minutes later, he passed away too, still clutching her hand in his. At their joint funeral... 
just think of that statement, joint funeral, <laughs> isn't that great? At their joint funeral, the comment was made, they were always in love, literally to the end. I love that story. What a great way to go. Isn't that a great way to go? A life of intimate friendship where neither party was ever left alone. What a way to go. Well, sadly, for many of us, life doesn't have that kind of intimate glow. According to the former Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, he recently said that the greatest public health crisis in America isn't cancer or heart disease, but isolation. Isolation and the effects of being socially disconnected. And indeed, the physical impact of loneliness is really surprising. The physical impact of of isolation is staggering. Dementia, high blood pressure, alcoholism, um, depression, and a variety of other ills become more prevalent when we live alone. Researchers at Brigham Young University even calculated that loneliness is as potent a cause of early death as smoking 15 cigarettes every day. Loneliness, we could say, is killing us, and for many, quite literally. But the Bible presents a better vision of life. A life that is more like the Vatican's. A life that is not lived in isolation but a people who live better together. Better together. I have three really simple points from our text this morning. I couldn't state them more simply if I tried. Let's look at them together. Number one we see from our text as we consider community and gospel friendships. Point one, you need friends. You and I are a people who need Friends, now we live in a culture that has a tendency to idolize the kind of people who will, who will stand alone, who go their own way, who do it their way. So we think of Columbus and Copernicus and Churchill and Mandela and William Wallace and Gladiator and James Bond and Harry Potter. And these are our cultural idols, okay? Those people who are prepared to stand alone. And there's definitely something to this. Uh, Don't you want to be a person of courage? Uh, I certainly hope that I would have the steel in my spine and the iron in my gut to stand alone if the gospel were ever to require it. But the reality is that real life is not really like that. We don't swing from one dramatic destiny-defining moment to the next. Real life is much more quiet, much more mundane. And in normal life, in real life, we need friends. Look at verse 21 with me. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Each part of the body relies on all the other parts of the body. So the eye is great for seeing things, but it's not very good at holding things. Pass me the fork, no one ever said hoping to be stabbed in the eye, right? Our heads are great for thinking, but as Paul highlights, they're not great for walking around on. And so it is for us. It doesn't matter who you are. We all need other people to make us whole. It doesn't matter who you are. We all need other people to make us whole. I've been so reminded of this 
as I've navigated at the beginning of this year, just some struggles of my own. And I was thinking of how to sort of communicate the impact that friendship has, has had on me because it's not been any one dramatic moment where someone kind of swooped in with some grand gesture. It's more been a thousand little deposits of friendship. And it reminded me actually of um, parents. You remember trying to teach your kids to say please and thank you? It's this arduous process that is a war of attrition. Because, you know, they, they ask for something and you say, say please. You give it to them and you say, say thank you. And you do that about 15,000 million times and they still don't say please and thank you. Okay? Ring their necks, right? But then, at some point, you realize, like with my kids today, oh, now they say please and thank you. But I don't know when it happened. You know? I, I, there wasn't a day when that change took place, it just sort of, at some point, has happened. And I look back and I think, wow, that, that's great. This, this change in their character and this appreciation they have for gratitude has, has, has taken hold. Why? Because of 15,000 reminders that it ought to be so. Well, in the same way, that's what my friends have done for me in this season. There wasn't one dramatic moment, one dramatic act. There was just 15,000 little reminders. Deposits of friendship bringing deposits of grace that had a cumulative effect of shaping my soul so that I was able to wake up one morning and say, Ah, God, thank you. It's good. It's good to follow you. It's good as well even in my own soul. That's what friendships do. Small deposits of grace like teaching a child to say thank you. I, I shared with you before that I was given words, in a sense, uh, to describe this experience by uh, one of the staff at the counselor's office I go to. I called to make an appointment, and uh, she knows me, and she knows the church, and so she was talking away about how grateful she was for our ministry and for uh, just all the, all the good things that happen in and through this church. And then I thanked her in return for the life I'm receiving from, from being a part of, of their ministry as well. And that's when she, she was the woman who said to me, ah, I guess in the end, we're all just walking each other home. We're all just walking each other home. And we need friends like this. You need friends like this. You are not designed to make it alone. We all need other people to make us whole. We all need other people to walk us home. Do you have friends like this? Perhaps not. Perhaps you've fallen for the overly independent spirit of our age. Maybe a particular danger for the men amongst us. To try and go it alone, to try and go it our own way. Perhaps there's even a little pride in thinking that you don't need other people all that much. Perhaps it's different. Perhaps you recognize you do need relationships, but you just haven't been able to make it happen, especially in this transient town. Uh, making friendships can be hard, it can be awkward, it can be inconvenient or, or time-consuming. But wherever we find ourselves this morning, the Bible would encourage us, even command us, to prioritize friendships. You need to eat. You need to sleep. You need to breathe. You would never consider trying to make do without these things. Well, put friendship in that same category. We need friendships if we're to be whole. I wonder what each of us can do ourselves to foster these kind of relationships this week. Point one, really simple. 
you need friends. Point two from our, our text, I think, is, is just as simple, but perhaps one we don't think about so often, which is, yes, you need friends, but point two, your friends also need you. Your friends need you. Friendship is a gift, yes, but it's also a responsibility. And it's easy to have a consumer mindset when it comes to friendships. We want people who encourage us. We want people who interest us. In this town particularly, we want people who connect us. You've been in that conversation where you're talking to someone in a room and you can tell that they're silently scanning the room looking for someone else, someone more important to go and talk to. Perhaps you've even been that other person doing that scanning in the room. That's often the kind of mindset and mentality we fall into. But Paul calls us out of such self-centered thinking. Look at me at verse 17. Calls us out of this self-absorbed spirit in order that we might focus on others. Verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear... Where would be the sense of smell? The body needs all its different parts. Each part plays a vital role. We can't amputate the hands or the feet and think that we'll still be whole. Well, in the same way, when we remove ourselves from friendships, we amputate from the body those very gifts that we were intended and we were designed to bring. Have you ever thought about community life this way? Not just thinking, what can I get out of this community, but also what can I give to this community? It's a compelling way for us to think about friendships. It's a compelling reason to go to your small group on Thursday night when it's been a a long week and you're tired and you're just not really feeling up to it. Not for what you might get out of it, but for what you might give to it. We never know what's going on in people's lives. We never know what people are going through and we'll never know how important we might be to them unless we show up, unless we help them in this time of need. Friendship isn't all about what we get. It's also about what we give. Now, you might say, okay, but I don't really feel like I've got that much to offer. And Paul's very illustration would just encourage you encourage you that you're wrong. Encourage you that you do have something to offer. I remember speaking to a friend who was in this kind of place and he said, oh, I just kind of feel like the toenail in the body of Christ. <laughs> and I said, I, you ever lost a toenail? Right? <laughs> uh, far too much soccer, far too many toenails lost. I value the toenail in the body of Christ. Okay? Whoever you are, you have something that the body needs. And to remove yourself from friendship is to amputate yourself from these kinds of connections. Who are the people in your life that need you this week? And what do they need? Is it encouragement? Is it prayer? Is it wisdom? Is it expertise? Is it advice? Is it laughter? Is it dinner? Or is it just the opportunity to talk? That's the cure for for many ills. Who needs you and what can you do to love them well this week? You need friends. Yes, friendship is, is a gift. But also your friends need you. Friendship is a responsibility. Which takes us to point three, really simply, where Paul says, so because you need friends and your friends need you, join a community group. <laughs> what? 
So, where did you say that? Well, he didn't, <laughs> okay? I said that, but I think it's a good application of what Paul does say in verse 26. See, he says there, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. I love this verse because it reminds us how gospel friendships are built. Friendships are built amidst the normalcy of life. This is how friendship takes place, right? We connect with people, we get to know them, we share interests, we share activities. Everything is normal, but then in the midst of the normal, life happens. Sometimes it's suffering. Josh shared with us, you have a baby and your wife has a, has a neck injury. Or there's a breakup, or there's infertility, or there's unemployment, or there's cancer, or there's death. Things happen, and because we were already there together before, we're now there to weep with those who weep right when they need us most. Sometimes the, the things that happen aren't bad things. They're, they're, they're good things. They're, they're happy things. Paul highlights this as well. It's, it's the birthdays and the promotions and the engagements and the pregnancies and all the rest. And because we were there before, now we're there to raise a glass and join in the celebration. Friendship unfolds as we live normal lives and then share experiences together as we go. And the best way to form that kind of friendship here at McLean Press is through our community groups. They're designed for that purpose. I love worship. I love worship. I really enjoy being here on Sunday morning. People sometimes say to me, you know, four services by the end of the day, are you not like kind of done? And sort of, but I'm also excited, right? I really enjoy us being together. Um, part of that too, don't, don't overly spiritualize that. Part of that is I'm a massive extrovert, so you know, it's, it's, it's a great thing. But, but I really do love worship. I love being here together. I love this time. But I also recognize that worship is, is, is in a sense limited. It's good for what it's for, but it's not good for building friendships. We don't build lasting, life-changing relationships in this hour on a Sunday morning. And that's why we push all of our people into community groups. That's why we encourage all of our people to get a smaller group within this church with whom they can share life that they might, as Paul encourages, uh, share in the sorrows and share in the rejoicings as they go. If you've not been to one of our community groups, here's the normal format. You show up at somebody's house. We have 51 groups spread out all over in the metro area. You show up and you drink some tea and you eat some brownies and you talk and you catch up. Uh, Then you'll do uh, a short Bible study, often a study actually of the previous week's sermon. We provide discussion questions for you to dive deeper into the text and themes that we've been looking at together. And then you'll have a a time of, of prayer where you can share what's going on in your life. Other people will share what's going on in theirs. The longer you meet, the more vulnerable you get. You start finding that you're forming these, these deep relationships. And what happens through this process is that friendships just grow. You meet together week by week, and then you grab, cro- grab coffee with someone that was in your group. Then you grab dinner with another couple that were in your group. Then all of you do an event together, and before you know it, you've become friends. You're, you're sharing lives. I asked one of our members uh, why she loves her community group, and I, I loved her answer so much. I, w- I wanted to share it with you. She said, you know what, first, to be honest, and this might be how you feel this morning, um, my community group was a little like broccoli. 
I went because I knew it was good for me, right? You kind of hear your mother's voice in your ear, you know. <laughs> Eat your broccoli, not your pastor's voice. Join a community group, okay? <laughs> right? um, you know, and, and she said, and it, I really appreciate this. She said, and it was, to be honest, it was kind of hard for me because I had to stand up like Josh did. I had to go. I didn't know people. It was a little bit awkward. Um, I didn't know kind of what prayer request to share. I just felt a little uncertain, felt a little unsure. It didn't really, it wasn't really all that of a kind of enjoyable experience for me at first. But then, she said, after a little while, my community group became like cake. I said, well, what do, you mean, what do you mean by that? And she said, well, after a little while, I started to realize that the people in my group are struggling with the same things that I'm struggling with. And the people in my group enjoy many of the same things that I enjoy. I now have a context of encouragement, a context of inc- accountability, a place that has made this church feel like home. And so it's kind of like cake that's nutritious as broccoli. And I thought, Brilliant. <laughs> Someone should design that, right? Cake, that's good for you too. I love it. You've already been directed. If you want more information, head out to the back. uh, Sign up for some cake. It doesn't taste like broccoli, but that's good for you as broccoli. And uh, get connected with one one of our small groups. If you'd be interested in leading a group, then we have a particular plug for you. We're now at 51 groups. We want to have 75. If this is a thing you've done before, we'd love for you to uh, go out and and catch up with the people out there and and see how you can get involved. And lastly, friends, get involved. We must. Because did you notice in verse 12 and 13 how Jesus really has given believers something uh, beautiful? Look, look with me at verse 12. He says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Think about your body, Paul says. You have you know, hands and feet, you have a chest and a back, you have a chin, even a belly. You have all these different parts, but they combine to make one body. Now he continues this thought in verse 13 where he says, For in one spirit, isn't this great? For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. Paul is saying, look around the room. There are differences between us. Some are Americans. Some are Scots. Some are black. Some are white. Some are red in the summer. Um, Some are extroverts. Some are introverts. All of us are different. And yet, together, we find that the gospel is the ultimate equalizer. The same spirit that Paul says that saved us all now indwells us all. Just, just think about that. For it. Isn't that a profound thought? The same spirit that saved us all now indwells us all. That united to Christ, we are now united to each other. There is a deep connection that exists between us this morning between you and the person sitting next to you a deep connection because as a compass points north so the Holy Spirit guides us all in the same direction we're not just here because we're united around you know a shared personality or a shared interest or a shared goal 
It's something so much deeper, so much more profound than that. Ontologically, we could say, that means at the very core of who you are, at the very essence of your being, we have been united to one another by the Holy Spirit. You understand? As families share the same DNA, we share the same Holy Spirit. If I could prick you and the person next to you, and we did a spiritual blood test, the Holy Spirit would be in us all. And this Spirit brings a depth of unity that is unlike anything the world can ever know. We don't want to leave that gift on the shelf. We want to make the most of this, these kind of, of, of relationships. And so we're encouraged to do by Paul. You need friends, your friends need you. There's no better place to live this out than in a community group. I'm not saying you'll fall in love uh, like Isaac and Teresa Vatkins uh, holding hands to the end, but I am saying you'll make friendships. Friendships in which you'll love and, and be loved till the end. Friends, let's pray together. Father, you do call us to community life, uh, to share in a relationship and friendship with one another, and it's a, a beautiful, uh, messy thing. And so we pray that you'd help us to live into it, to realize, Lord, that we are in need of relationships, that no, no man is an island. We don't have what it takes to live alone. But also to remember that other people need us, Lord, that there are people in our pews right now who, who are in need of us to step up and to love and, and love well. And so, Lord, help us to be forming these kind of friendships. For those who don't have these kind of relationships yet, we particularly pray that you would be at work in their lives, perhaps even through a community group, to establish these kind of relationships that we might really make the most, Lord, of the deep, even mystical unity that you have given us together in your Holy Spirit. So, uh, in his power and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.